Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to make marketing, money, and mindset your superpowers. Because the world needs more women taking up more space. And together, we can do this through growing our businesses, our platforms, and our communities. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, a business coach and speaker based in Melbourne, Australia. Twice a week, you'll hear honest, insightful conversations with my guests, along with a dose of real talk from me. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Emily Osmond. And now, let's get into the show. Debbie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm very excited to be here. I've listened for a couple of years at least to all your podcasts, so it's really strange to be on the other side, but I'm really excited. Oh, so good. And I said to you, I thought we could start off with just like a little snippet from an email you sent me not too long ago, and it got me quite emotional just thinking of what you have achieved. And so I wanted to just read out a little bit of it because I think it sets the scene so well. So you said, over the past two and a half years, I have evolved from baking for local customers in my little old school kitchen to creating an e-commerce website so that I could switch sides and start selling products to my fellow bakers to creating online class content and bringing in a passive income. Thanks to this passive income, I've already turned over more this financial year than I did all of last financial year. And it's just crazy. First of all, congratulations with all that you have achieved so far. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. I still can't believe it. I'm, as I said before, I'm just constantly pinching myself like, is this really happening? <laughs> so it's amazing. And it's been so much fun as well. Tell me where your, your baking business started from. How did that all come about? Well, I've always loved baking and I've always been quite creative, sort of loved all that sort of stuff. And a long time ago, so Little Bicky started in 2019, but maybe 12 months before that even, I was seeing on Instagram all these quote cookies and they were really basic decorated cookies with just little names or dates or things, little messages on them. And I thought, oh, I could do that. Surely that's something I could do. But of course, I sat on it for ages. The boys were all still really little. So I couldn't think of anything worse than being in the kitchen with three little kids under my feet. So it was in the back of my mind for probably 12 months where I thought that's something I could do, but I'm a bit scared to just take that jump into it. And then I was at my sister's, one of my sister's hen's parties, and she had cookies there with her name on it, Mel's hen's party. And I was like, Mel, I could have done these for you. Like she paid someone else to do them. And I thought, right, that's it. I've got to do it because I need to do it for family and friends. Even if it's just as a hobby, I just, I need to get something started. So that's what gave me the kick to go, I'll just start a little Instagram page, not a big deal. I'll just do one order a month or something like that. And then honestly, it just took off. I had my first couple of orders were from close friends and one of my sisters. And from the moment I launched my Instagram page, I had orders coming in every single week. It was it was mad. So straight away, I was like, okay, this isn't a hobby. <laughs> this is going to be a real thing. So it just took off and it just has not slowed down since. And you're based, Debbie, in regional Australia, regional Victoria, and most of your customers for Little Bicky, are they near you? Do you? Are you posting them off? Tell me how that works. Well, I started off all local. So just kind of word of mouth and obviously social media helps big time with things like that too. 
So most were local. I started posting Australia wide because I was having people ask. They would message and say, could you post, you know, to Perth or Queensland or whatever? And again, I put it off for a while because it scared me. I didn't know how to go about it. But I eventually took the plunge into that too. And I was posting them all over Australia, but only for a little while because it was very stressful thinking you spend so many hours decorating these fancy cookies with all these little details on them and to have to wrap them up in bubble wrap and send them off in the post it was hard so it kind of added a a little bit of stress to it that I was like I don't really need to do this because I had so many local customers so a lot of businesses do post all over Australia and every week whereas it just didn't really work for me so I did it for a little while a few months and then I thought no I'll just stick to my locals and put all my time into them. Then you brought on another part of your business, Debbie. Tell us about the next thing that you introduced in terms of not just selling the biscuits. Yeah, so that was really exciting. That was a big step for me. I found I was spending every spare hour in the kitchen, decorating, baking, packaging, doing all the admin side of it. And I literally couldn't fit any more hours into my day. And I was working around school hours and kinder hours as well. And I loved it. I did love it. But I thought, how, like, what's my next step? How am I going to add to the business when I don't have any more hours left in my day? And at that time, I was getting lots and lots of questions about where do you get these products from? And do you sell your recipe? Just from other bakers, of course. And I thought, you know, there's a need for recipes, there's a need for products that are hard to find because I was ordering them from overseas and off Etsy and eBay. Every time I sent someone a link to a product that I'd bought, I thought, imagine if I could send them a link to my website. Again, I was selling these products. So that was my next step was to switch sides and start selling the decorating products to the bakers rather than sort of baking alongside of them. So that was a big step for me, but I couldn't wait to do it. It was a big deal because at the time I'd over those, I think it must've been a year and a half of baking. I'd saved up $4,000 in my my special little Vicky account. And that to me at the time, that was so much money. I was really proud of that little little stash. And I had to spend $3,500 on moulds, silicon moulds to come from overseas. And I sat there looking at the PayPal button going, oh my God, this is like all my money. (laughs) And it was really scary, but it was such a big deal. And once I did it, it was the best feeling knowing that I was switching things up and taking on something new and it was just so exciting so and it was totally worth it in the end the plan was to sell products on a website which at the time don't even ask me like technology (laughs) as you already know I'm Debbie I think Debbie always says I'm terrible at technology and you're actually not it's just you haven't done it before and then you do it and you're like oh well I I managed to do it I'm like yes see you're fine (laughs) that is so true because the website thing it's scared me so much but I thought if I order the products I then have to do the website you didn't have a website prior all of your sales were via Instagram is that right yes that's right for the cookie stuff it was all via email and Instagram so yeah the whole idea of having something online I just I couldn't get my head around it but I thought if I at least spend the money on these products I have to make myself do the website I can't keep putting it off if I just get the products ordered so that was a big step ordering those products. That is a huge one Debbie isn't it and I think it's definitely so in those earlier stages of business the earlier years when we kind of were making some money and then we're like okay what is next where do I want to go how do I want to grow and then we have to look at investing that like maybe that little bit of leftover money that we have into growing the business and we're like, am I doing this right? Am I meant to have more here? It's an educated kind of gamble. And I think to have the courage to do that is real, and to have also the belief 
in yourself is huge and what has like helped you make this next phase work as well. So yeah, it's, oh my gosh. So, uh, and imagine if you didn't take that move, then you would have never learned all these new skills, had all this new growth in your business. So yeah, tell us about then what happened. What was that like once you added on more of the actual products that weren't the biscuits, but more for the bakers? The plan was to do a bit of both. So sell products and keep baking for customers on the side. But as I got closer to launching the website, most of the people who followed me on Instagram were bakers really. And then I just had my few locals followings just so they knew when they could buy biscuits and for Christmas and Easter and things like that, just to keep up to date. But generally my biggest audience was other bakers. So I sort of put it out there a bit and said, you know, this is what I'm doing. And the response was incredible. Like everyone was so excited because they'd seen the odd baker creating biscuits with all these details with fondant molds and things like that, but they didn't really know where to get them. So everyone was so excited and leading up to it, I thought, okay, this might be bigger than I was expecting. And it was when I launched the website that night, and I'll never forget that night. I just bawled my eyes out in a good way, of course. So I had about between five to 600 products, like silicon molds. Oh my goodness. Like how many different options? Gosh, I don't know, maybe 30 different designs or something like that. So I had that many available in stock and within a half an hour, most of them were sold out. And watching the live view on Shopify was just incredible. Seeing all these people adding things to carts and then checking out. And within five minutes, I was bawling my eyes out. <laughs> it, was so, it was so scary and it was just so emotional. It's just one of those things that I will never, ever forget. So obviously that blew up and I thought, okay, I can't do both anymore. I need to be a baker or I need to be, you know, a stockist of products. And so I very quickly realized that I need to stop the baking, which I still get to do as part of my job and working for another business, which is great. So I still get that fix, that creative outlet and the fun in the kitchen, but absolute majority of my time is spent packing orders and things like that. So all the online stuff. And I can imagine once you had that happen, that you put those products up for sale, you kind of were like, okay, these are now available. And then pretty much they all sold out. We like, damn it. Now I have to go like put in another huge order. <laughs> yes, that's right. It wasn't, that wasn't the plan. I thought this will last <laughs> months and months. And then, you know, months later I'll deal with the next step, but it was no, it was kind of like just jump into and go, okay, what do I do now? Exactly. So ordering more products and, and trying to keep them in stock was the hard part. Cause every time I would restock, they disappear again. And then eventually, I was able to build up to ordering larger amounts of everything and things would stay in stock for that bit longer. And eventually I feel like halfway through the following year, like it took about six months to get on top of keeping products in stock. <laughs> so that was a bit of a learning curve too. because you don't want to disappoint people by not having things in stock, but in the beginning, you only have a certain amount of money to spend. You can only bring in a certain amount of products. So it sort of slowly grew from there. Now tell us, where did the online class idea come from? Well, I would say that probably originally came from other bakers again, because even before I'd started the website and was selling products, I would have people message and say, do you sell your recipe? Do you have online classes? And I was like, what? Like the first few messages, I just laughed. I was like, this is what? No, of course not. (laughs) And then they kept coming in. The questions kept coming in and I was like, okay, this could be a thing. So I would say that that seed was planted a long time ago by other bakers just questioning like what I offer. So I sort of have them to thank for that because if there was no need for it, I probably wouldn't have really thought about it as much as I did. So it was a long time ago that I first thought 
maybe online class, but then the product thing took over on the website and everything. And it took me a good 12 months to get settled into that. And then really seriously start thinking about the classes. I thought if I don't do it, someone else will. And there is, there's other people out there doing similar things, but in our own ways. So we're always going to have different things to offer. But I thought if I don't do it now, will I ever do it? Like, again, it's something that you put off because it's scary and it's new and it's different. Yeah. It's a whole new kind of challenge to tackle and so many new things to learn and everything. And also the thing is, it's such a good sign when there's other people that have similar work, like classes, similar courses, memberships, because it shows you there's the demand for it as well. So it's kind of a good sign in a way. And I think as well, the fact that you had that demand from people was again, a really, really good sign. It kind of shows you that, okay, there's something here. There's, there's demand for this as well. So talk us through, I guess, how you decided what exactly to teach, how you decided what to create for that first online course workshop that you created. To me, it was very obvious and it was all about the recipes. So it probably sounds silly, but it's this thing to have the perfect cookie to decorate with your fondant. Like you could have this lumpy, bumpy cookie that spreads huge in the oven and then you try and make it look pretty with fondant and it just doesn't because it's not neat. So people sort of have become a bit obsessed with finding this perfect no spread cookie recipe. So I knew that it had to be about the recipe because I started with an awful recipe and changed it over two years to something that was perfect for me. And that's what I was getting asked about so much was what's your recipe? I need this minimal spread recipe. So it had to be about the recipe, but I didn't just want it to be a recipe download or like, you know, a file or an email. I wanted it to be more than that because there's so much more to it. There's just all these little things you need to be able to tell someone, not just read this recipe and you'll get the perfect cookie. So it had to be a recipe download and a class, like a video where I could talk through the whole process and they could see me doing it. And so for me, it had to be a class, not necessarily a program or anything sort of long-term, just a once-off class where they can watch the whole process, download the recipe, and then they're good to go. Yeah. And when you were creating that or getting ready to, I guess, put that together and get it out there, what were some of the biggest challenges you came across and also any kind of unhelpful things that were running through your mind, unhelpful thoughts or anything like that? Did you have anything come up for you and challenges? Yeah, always. And as I said before, always for me, it's the technology. That was my biggest challenge. And it was the scariest thing for me. And it was like this block for me. I knew exactly what I wanted to create. I knew how to create it. I knew how to make a pretty document on Canva. I knew how to film myself in the kitchen, how to edit the video. I just didn't know how to get that off my computer screen (laughs) and onto the big wide world of the internet. I just couldn't get my head around that and how to sell it to people. I just didn't know any of that. And because I already had Shopify at the time, which I use for selling products, I thought it had to be done through there. So that was a challenge to trying to figure out how to get it done through there. So that was probably my biggest thing that put me off the longest and it stressed me out the most was definitely the technology. In fact, it was probably the only thing because everything else, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how to do it. I just didn't know how to get it out there for people to use and to see. Yeah. And what did you do, I guess, to get around that, Debbie? Well, that's where you came in. (laughs) (laughs) We scalable because literally step by step told me how to do it, how to get it out there for people. So if I didn't do your scalable program, I would probably be offering it as like a link in an email or a file on Dropbox to download or something like that. Whereas 
at the moment, it's sitting on a nice course hosting platform and it looks pretty and, you know, it's easy to use and everything. And I can pop in there and add things. I can add notes. I can change the content if I need to. It's just brilliant. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it can definitely be, like I said, a challenge because it's something that we've never done before. And I remember when I did my first, got my online program out there for the first time and I went through and looked at how many different pieces of technology that I just learnt for the first time. I think it was a list of 10. <laughs> it's like, okay, well now I know about this one and this one and this one, and now I, I know how to use them. And it, it's quite amazing and such a learning curve. But I, I kind of feel like you're someone that loves a bit of a challenge, loves learning new things and loves evolving. Absolutely. And it's so scary at the start. And for me, it's always a process of elimination. I think trial and error, because in Scalable, the way you recommended to do it was a course hosting platform like Kajabi or Podia or something. And I was like, oh, it's too fancy for me. Like that's too much. Like I, it's not going to do that well. I can't afford to use a platform like that. So I had all these other ways that I wanted to try first and I shouldn't have because they caused me so much stress and none of them worked. Like I tried Dropbox, as I said, I tried links in emails and Vimeo and hyperlinks in downloads and all these sort of crazy stuff. And in the end, the course hosting platform was the best thing I could have done. I should have just jumped straight to that. But for me, I was like, oh, in my head, I'm thinking I've got these ideas. I just have to try them. And so trial and error and process of elimination, it finally got there in the end, but it did add a whole lot of extra time and a whole lot of stress. (laughs) And I think it's interesting that you were like, oh, I don't really know. This might be. And it's like how you started your own business, Debbie. You were like, oh, I'll just sell like one thing a month. It'll just be a little thing that I do. Just a hobby. (laughs) Very similar, it sounds, to the program. Talk us through You wrote in your email to me around some of the numbers in terms of when you were doing your launch and how many people joined your specific email list and then what happened after that. Would you like to share? Yeah, absolutely. So as part of Scalable, in the beginning, we created, I can't remember what the proper words are for it, um, a lead magnet? No, something like just a Oh, is it? A lead magnet. So basically getting people to sign up and give you their email address so you can contact them and everything like that. So I had a little pop-up form on my website specifically collecting email addresses for people who wanted to know more about the class coming. Just before I launched, I had over 500 people on that specific email list. At the time, I was like, oh, is this good? I don't know. I don't have anything to compare it to. But I felt it was quite overwhelming. I thought that is a lot of people who are at least interested. They're not going to buy it, of course. I was telling myself, but they're interested. And that was very encouraging. So I had a lot of people interested. And then by the end of the launch week, the class had sold just under 300 times. So as I said to you, I don't know much about conversion rates or anything, but I feel like 300 out of 500, I feel like that was pretty good. (laughs) I wouldn't be disappointed with that. I'd be very happy with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I was in all through that week and especially that first 24 hours where you know, you make a big, such a big deal about it in the lead up to the launch and everything. You know, I kept telling myself, no, 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 like, don't get too excited. There is lots of interest, but people are just being nice. Like they're just being, they're just (laughs) encouraging you and being nice people. They're probably not really going to buy it. So I was kind of putting myself down a bit. I didn't want to get too disappointed. It's good in a way, like rather than thinking, oh, I reckon I'm like, all of them are going to buy and have unrealistic expectations. Like, cool. 500 people interested. I should get like 500 sales for sure. Yeah. 
yeah, and I didn't want it to be about that. It was a pretty crazy week, but I was incredibly happy. Even after that first 24 hours, I thought, well, these people, and it was all these names that I just knew, like just from getting to know people on social media, I just saw all these names popping through and thinking, oh my God, I know her, I know her. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it was just the weirdest thing so to lovely. see these contacts of mine that I've made and friends and, and I can't call them customers. Like they are kind of my customers because they purchase products from me online but I feel weird calling them customers because I feel like they're just they're all my friends (laughs) that has to be part of your success Debbie one of the reasons the fact that you see those people that you're connected with and that follow you and that are really invested in your journey and what you're doing that you do see them as being like peers and friends and it's just yeah uh and I love you can just see like this lights you up it really does it does I love it I feel really really lucky yeah So we went through the launch and now you actually have an online class. What has that been like for you? Have you enjoyed it? Do you like having students in there? Well, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, it's the biggest part of my business at the moment and it is my favourite part by far. And eventually I'd love to sort of head more towards that direction and phase out the selling of products. But at the moment, it's great. It's after launch week, it sold like mad. And then within the next few weeks, it was selling quite a few times each day. And then it's sort of levelled out to selling at least once or twice every couple of days, which it's still doing now. I've also since released recipes, like my own recipes, a couple of other recipes on their own as well. So there's the option to purchase just a little download recipe, not a whole class, but just downloads. And they're selling every day as well. So it's just kicking along. It's trickling through. And that was the idea of bringing this in was to just have something there in the background, just to, again, to take that next step up, take the business up a level without having to try and force more hours into your day. So it's the weirdest feeling waking up in the morning and seeing PayPal alerts on my phone thinking, oh my God, people were buying things overnight and I didn't even know. Like it just sits there and trickles along and it's just, and that was the whole idea was to have it there in the background. So it's great. And I I still, every day I'm answering emails from people, whether they're asking about it before they purchase or whether they've got a question after they purchase. So there's still all this interaction that happens and getting feedback from people about having success with the recipe or even just feedback about the video or something like that. I just, it makes me so happy and I love chatting to everyone about it. So yeah, it feels really good. And what's next, Debbie? What are you, like, it sounds like you always have a a great thing coming. Is there anything that you can share that you're kind of thinking about in terms of what you would like to do next? Yeah, I do. I have a few things going. As I said before, I'd like to sort of slowly phase out stocking other brands products like mostly from the UK they create the molds there and then I I stock them and sell them here and they're beautiful molds really good quality but I want to create my own one day so that's a big thing and I know that's a little while away but I would eventually love to just completely become my own brand so selling my own molds I already have my own range of cookie cutters that are designed specifically to use with silicon molds and I'm in the process of having my own aprons manufactured as well which is really fun because I've just always had this thing about cute aprons and when I shot the video for the class I couldn't find the exact type that I wanted I just had this image in my head of what I wanted I couldn't find them except for on Etsy overseas and I thought I wanted something in Australia so I just made one myself and loved it and got great feedback on it everyone was like can we buy these but I was like I can't sit down and make hundreds of aprons so I'm in the process of getting them manufactured by someone else so that's exciting and of course I want to do more classes I want to do another big master class all about decorating 
And I want to bring in like a little mini series. So little, little short classes on specific decorating techniques or something like that. And of course, more recipes. Like I just have all these flavor ideas in my head, that, but it takes a long time to test and trial recipes and get something that's just right. So I got lots of things in this little mind of mine and I'm so determined to make them happen. It's just got to be one thing at a time <laughs> and, you know, taking those little steps. So Debbie, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share about this transition and adding this new element into your business of having this online class that you now sell? Is there anything that I haven't asked you or that you want to share with the listeners? No, gosh, I don't think so. I feel like you've covered everything. It's just changed. It's changed my business in such a big way and in such a great way. I can't imagine not doing it now I really can't it's giving me all this extra space in the other parts of my business so I can have that ticking along but then in this other side of business I can be really just switched on and like you know ticking things off and getting things done so it's an amazing thing to have there in the background the online stuff yeah what do your family like do they have any idea what this what's happening yeah well my oldest does so Jack is 11 and he just loves it he's always asking for updates and he's right there with me when you know during launch week he's like how many times is it sold now and he's always doing the numbers and he thinks it's fantastic and really gets into it and like you can tell he's really proud because he actually he really does care the other two are a bit more like they don't really follow along but yeah Jack loves it so it's good fun doing things alongside of him it's definitely taught me lots about trying to balance family life with work life because before I was even baking I was a stay-at-home mum for eight years at the time and so I did nothing but mum and so to the boys I was just mum and I spent all my time with them and on them and so transitioning into working from home it was a big shock to them they kept asking me are you going to be doing little Bicky forever like when are you stopping little Bicky <laughs> and I'll never forget my youngest coming up to me and he was, I was at home at the time, no kind or anything. And he said to me during a really busy time, said, mum, when are you going to take off your apron and be normal mum, not little Bicky mum? So to him, it was like these two different mums. I was like a busy working mum and I was normal mum. And he just wanted me to be normal mum. So I had to, yeah, put into place some boundaries and some rules which I still follow to a T these days as well and that is no little wiki after school hours so 3 30 onwards nothing and none on the weekends so I switch over to my personal Instagram on the weekends I don't answer any comments or messages or anything like that emails if I see an important one there I will jump on and do it but I'm really strict on just being mum outside of school hours and on the weekends. So they've helped me to kind of work out that balance because if they didn't care and they were just running wild and didn't care what I was doing, then I probably would be doing things at all hours. But it's good. I'm a very routine person and it just gives me structure and it's good for them and it's good for me as well. Thank you for sharing that. That was actually really, really helpful to hear. And I bet for some listeners too, it might be just some helpful kind of that insight and what what measures you've put in place to help balance that and for your kids to understand in a way what you're doing and also know, okay, this is work time and then this is time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. A big thing was in the mornings, I would start up until maybe 12 months ago, I would start the first half hour of my day from 6.30 till 7 would be coffee and answering DMs on Instagram because I have so many wonderful, wonderful people on Instagram that I love chatting to. I just, I've constantly got hundreds of messages in my inbox and I hate not answering them, but it takes up so much time. And I was spending that first hour of the morning answering messages and replying to comments and the boys would come up and be next to me and I'd be like hop off I'm trying to do this and I was dreading it in the end it's not a great way to start your morning glued to the phone screen and ignoring the children 
So I was like, no, this has to stop. Now my first half hour of the morning is reading a book with my coffee and it is the best way to start the day. And the boys don't see me just scrolling and typing and, you know, like I'm starting the day nicely and relaxed and everyone's happy and they can come up to me and ask me stuff and I'm not shooing them away. And I now do that in the morning. So at 9.30 after school drop off, I've spent first half hour of the day doing all of my house stuff and just getting things out of the way. Then 9.30 I sit down and I do half an hour of messages and it feels like I'm doing it in work hours. It just makes sense. So lots of little things like that and just structuring the day and having routine. It just, it really helps to keep things separate. And then your mind just feels in control. You know, you don't feel all muddled up doing everything all over the place. So it, for me, it's a necessity. It helps compartmentalize some things as well. So you're like, okay, this is the time. And we can be so productive, I think, when we have the dedicated time and like a limited time. (laughs) It's like, well, that's all I've got. So I've got to prioritize. Yes, that's right. And then you can put it out of your mind when it doesn't need to be in there. You think, no, I've got half an hour at this time to deal with that. I can forget about it overnight. It's got to be like that for me. I would just be stressed out all the time. I can't wait to um, to just follow and catch up and hear, you know, how everything goes for you, Debbie. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time today. I just wanted to say a big thank you to you because you have been so helpful. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have these online programs. And you're doing so many wonderful things for so many businesses, getting them up off the ground. And it's just amazing. And to be sitting here chatting to you about it all is just very surreal. And I'm just really grateful. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And where can everyone go to come tell you, yes, please create a membership and all the things? <laughs> so mainly through Instagram, I have all my links in there. So um, Instagram is little underscore Bicky and I have all my links for recipes and the class and the website and everything there. But to have a chat, email is definitely best because as I said, hundreds of DMs, I just often don't even see them and Instagram will delete them if they've been in yeah. your folder for too long. And so I often don't see stuff. So email is definitely the best way to have a chat to me, which is info at littlebicky.com.au. Debbie, thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Emily. It's been so much fun. This episode is brought to you by my free online masterclass, why your marketing isn't making you sales and what to do about it. You'll learn how to get heard and seen in this noisy online world and stop being invisible. How to fill your audience with the right people. People who will love your content and will actually buy your products, services, or programs. And how to consistently turn your followers into raving customers without being fake or salesy. This free masterclass is perfect if you're about to launch your business or you're a small business owner. Register now at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. That's emilyosmond.com forward slash free. And remember, until next time, connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.